Africa Climate Conversations. The podcast. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. My name is Sophie Mbogwe. Now, today I'm visiting a craft shop, the Limulunga Lamukua Craft Women Club in Mongo District, Western Province of Zambia. Mongo is a town situated on a higher ground on the eastern edge of the 30-kilometer-wide Barotsa floodplain. It is home to the Lozi people, led by Alitunga, or the king of the Luyi-speaking people. Here, we meet Florence Monde Mwaluka, an 85-year-old woman popularly known here as Auntie Flo. She is the founder of the Limulunga Lamukua Craft Women Club. Here, 10 women join up together to weave mats, mattresses, hearts, baskets, as well as mold pots used as cooking pots, refrigerators, and water purifiers. These products are made from natural materials such as the papyrus reeds, grass, and fiber, integrated with plastics as well as sand, obtained from the Barotsa floodplains, which these women have dedicated their lives into protecting. Auntie Flo tells me that she was the only girl in a family of 14 children. She grew up with a mother gifted in weaving while her father was a great fisherman. Growing up among boys meant that everything the men did, she learned how to do it. Women among the Lozi community fished using baskets, but she says her father not only taught her how to fish using fishnet, but the type of fish to look out for, the type of grass she would find this particular fish, and the type of waters where you can find the specific species of fish. But there was a problem. It was very difficult for me because my father didn't want me to go to school. So when I was growing, in my time, girls were not allowed to go to school. Yes, we were just there to grow and be nurtured and then get ready for marriage. But during that time, there were other families who had a lot of cattle because in my time, people who had a lot of cattle, those are the people that were looked up as well-to-do people. So they were able to send their children to school. So I really wanted to go to school and I had to run away from my family to go out to school. I did not be the headmaster that time. I wouldn't have been able to speak English like this. But he was a very good man. He came to plead with my father. By then I was big. I think I must have been even 18 or so. Because that time it was not about age. It's about someone to go to school, no matter how big you are, you go to school. Though Auntie Flo wanted to go to school, she never forgot her love for nature. Growing up surrounded by nature and having learned weaving skills from her mother, she dropped out of schools to make a livelihood out of her environment while caring for this environment. As I was growing, I had grown up with a passion of using the natural resources. I appreciate natural resources. I've lived on, on, on wild fruits, I've lived on, on, on other food in the plain. Because in the plain we have other wild legumes and others. And in the upper land, I've lived also in the upper land with animals, snakes, we call them. So I love nature. Her education background and childhood skills would come in handy years later. Auntie Flo today is an energetic 85-year-old woman. She tells me she has dedicated most of her years to community service. She has used this club to link her community to local and international non-government organizations as well as the Zambian government. 
In 2001, while serving as one of the first board of directors of the Zambian Chamber of Small and Business Association, she took advantage of the government's drive to encourage women to join in business and register her company. She would then bring lousy women together to make products using natural fibers such as roots, papyrus, and grass. But lack of finance would see her close her business four years down the line. I got more encouraged when we were told the importance of coming up with a, a company because when you register a company, they say you can get some loan, you can get some help, and so on, especially if you are a woman. So this is how I registered my company, 2001. But I wouldn't go anywhere because it was difficult for me. That time when I joined the chamber, I had only 50 kwacha in my account. So starting a business with a 50 kwacha that time would have been easy, but it wasn't really so easy. So by 2014, I had already given up. I've just revived the company now. The company was exactly what we were seeing. It was about craft and the protection of our natural fiber or natural resources. The club is back in business now, mobilizing women both elderly and young to conserve the Barossa floodplain and also try making a livelihood out of the vast natural resources such as roots, grass, reeds, soil and water. Now they integrate these natural resources with plastics to craft bags, mattresses, pots, shopping bags, hats, mats, among many other things. Now art and craft skills, she says, are pertinent in helping these women generate an income and support their social livelihoods. Art and the craft is something that has been carried over from centuries. So we had, the, all of us have learned the way our parents were doing, we were doing this, this different types of weaving, doing mats and so on and so forth. So I was trying to, to, to encourage them to start changing the way we do our weaving and improve on the weaving for them to be able to integrate a basket or something to make a, a bag, a shopping bag, like you put some wood or you make those my handbags integrated with fabric, you put some zip. My most challenge, even when I'm talking to you, is how do we educate young people about this indigenous skill? Elderly women like me, they are still there with very unique skills. We will mobilize the women, the old women, and then the old women will be the teachers, they will be the experts to impart the knowledge through the young people. Our education system here, you know, encourages every, even our even parents, even me. I want my child to go to school so that they go and work for someone. But now we have a challenge now. How many? degree holders and masters that are just walking along the streets with the papers in their envelope. There's no employment. But when you identify your, your skill, whether you've been educated, whether you are not educated, if you have anything that you are interested, there's no problem for you to survive. The Barotsaland leadership decision-making process is patriarchal in nature. To date, Western Zambia has retained its traditional kingship leadership. Antiflo says, from time immemorial, despite women being allowed to attend a development meeting, they were never permitted to add their voices in shaping these development decisions that, in one way or another, impact on these women. But today, at least, there are women village indunas, that is the village elders, looking into the affairs of their villages. In addition, two chiefdoms are led by women. But despite this, women leadership is still lurking behind among the Barotsa people, a huge setback in conservation efforts. We protect the land by canal clearing, 
by also telling people not to burn the land anyhow though you know the challenge that we have in terms of having few women in leadership you know you have no much authority even if you stop people from doing anything they would say who is that one in laws we have a saying we say they, they, they would ask or say Kimwana Mani, where is that person coming from whose daughter whose son for you to have that authority to stop anything so because we have few women in authority that makes women have little voice even if they would have more to say over the same land but that is not saying a woman has nothing to do no we do we know what we are supposed to do but because there's a way that we have been brought up even us knowing that it's only men who can do that few women are in leadership but we find these resources everywhere this likenga is it's everywhere in the plains but can we find women in leadership that side who can voice out to stop this from being destroyed we are still very far that was Baita Chilemo, a 46-year-old mother of three working with Antiflom. Chilemo is a community worker trained on community mobilization, art and drama, citizen journalism, among other skills she has obtained working with NGOs over the years. She specializes in crafting mattresses and refrigerators made of local grass called likenga obtained from deep inside the floodplain. But despite mobilizing women and crafting hundreds of items and working with numerous international and local NGOs as well as the government, the club is struggling with no access to markets. Here is Chilemu. The information that we have is not helping us in terms of marketing, in terms of making business. I and Antifro have worked with many organizations like parliament, go and debate, contribute even to the NGOs' bills we were contributing. So many meetings that we have, we know we have contributed even to the current constitutions that we are using. But because people don't see this rich information that we need, how vital it is. You know, it's rare in these villages to find women who are able to speak like us. We have really worked with people who have trained us, who have given us this information, but at the end of the day, if those had more interest in lifting us up, they would have done that. You can see these papers that I have. You know, a lot of papers awarded by NGOs, local, international, and national NGOs. But I can say they have nothing to do with my life. If I had to depend on this, I was going to die. I asked Chilemo and Auntie Flo why, despite the lack of support, they're still working to protect these plains. The land supports the river because these roots get water from the plains. These fishermen, like this time, you find them go to the bushes, collect firewood. They take to the plains. In the camps where they'll be camping for fishing, they'll get charcoal, they'll get firewood. And they'll also get some shirabs for using to build those small huts. Now you find that also people like those who are settling in uh, districts like Kaoma, they also rely on plains. They get their cassava there, uh, groundnuts and other foodstuffs. They take in the plains, exchange with the fish. We call it butter system. They don't have to use money. This fiber is the softest fiber that you can even make mattresses out of it. 
you can crush when it is very dry but still more you can make baskets you you can make whatever product that you want to make from there it is from the plane you can't get it anywhere again other than in the plane even in some of the planes they are not there you get reeds you get papyrus you get variety of, of fiber so who whoever talks about the plane talks about me because this is my livelihood this is where i get the most grass that can produce good product in the plane there are different of soils there's loam soil there's sand soil there's black soil there's clay soil there's different soils which you can also make different products these are the pots that we use to cook food this is a distiller this one you can boil water there's a filter here which you put in here and that the water will drip that drip dripped water you can use it even in your car it will not knock out or you can make some drinks this is our fridge if you put water here the water will be so cool and tasty the only place you can find soil to, to make this product is from the plane and also there are the fiber which we call likenga this is a cooler grass also you get this you 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 catch fish and then you soak this silkenga in water put it on top or put in fish and the cover the fish will remain fresh the whole day as if you have put ice on them and again at the same time at the levels of the women it is much easier for the women the plane is open you can be anywhere and everybody can see you. The Barotse floodplain is a vast land classified as a Ramsar site with over 300 bird species and over 130 documented fish species. When flooded, it can reach about over 550,000 hectares, acting as a sponge that slowly releases water to the nearby regions that receives low rainfall. But because of climate change, the Barotse loses about 1,500 millimeters of water annually from evaporation, which reduces the amount of water flowing into the lower Zambezi River system. This threat, coupled with the future uncertainties, make it critical to protect this wetland. Anti-flow expounds more on how the water comes in handy, not only when crafting these products, but health-wise. Water is very, very important. You can't make these products without water. You would need water. You cannot make a, a very nice string like what you, you have seen. She's busy continuously soaking the grass because of water. Me, I was growing up without my pills, medicine that we are using. We were just using herbal, but water was very important. You steam yourself with the water. You drink a lot of water. For instance, like this, Nkwana, we call this Nkwana. This water from this Nkwana, as I said, it is so tasty. It encourages, if someone is very sick, has been sick and weak, you know, the, you, you know, appetite sometimes goes out. But when you continuously giving someone some water from Nkwana, eventually the, the appetite starts now growing, coming up. Again, water with the soil. I said we have several types of soil. It helps certain fish like bubble fish. This type of fish will live for so long. When the long soil is just damp like that, just wait for a long time until the, the rain comes. Still more, that fish is going to live. Some fish die, but the, the ndombe will not die. Water again at the same time, 
it was used during my time there were no clinics there was no these english medicines and so we were living on using our natural resources using roots using leaves using but water was very important yes because even when you have pneumonia you can use water to cure pneumonia they take the water boil the water and then you put your arms in the hot water and then when the, 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 the hands are still hot and then you start massaging. Although the massaging of pneumonia, it can be done both with the fire, you, you, you warm your water on fire when the hands are, are hot and then you start massaging, the pneumonia goes. Yes, and then at the same time, the same water, when you steam the water, just steaming, getting the water, put it in here, because these were our pots. We didn't have this whatever clay pots, even though the three-legged uh, pots, they were not just those were coming from South Africa. So these were the pots that we were using. Put water in here, boil, and then you cover yourself, and you start steaming. When that, that sweat comes out, whether it is a headache or whatever pain is in the body, eventually they, you get well. Again, you use the same hot water, pull out an axe and put it in fire when it is ready. And then you drop it in the cold water and then you cover yourself. Again, you get cured if you have a headache, maybe you have a toothache, you have these pains that you usually experience now that you need only to drink Panadol. Those days there were no Panadols, there were no fancy dad, there was no quinine, there were no chloroquine. This is how we lived. However, Antiflo says this natural basin cannot exist without a surrounding upper dry land made up of savannas, woodlands, grasslands, and dry forest where the Lozi people migrate when the floodplain floods in a ceremony called Kuomboka or emerging from the waters. The Lozi are so protective about their land because all of us can't live without the plain and we cannot live without the upper land because during the flood like this time, for all those that are big mounds, those are the ones that are, most of them people have shifted to the upper land. So we have two homes, the other home in the plain, then the, the other home in the upper land. So it's very difficult for you really to say, no, these are specifically in the plain, and these ones are only on the upper hand. Even the canals, for instance, the water comes from the upper land. You can even see even Zambezi. Zambezi comes from the upper land in Solozi, northwestern province. It's very difficult to be very specific and make people understand that this is more important than the other one. Because when you talk about planes, it's not only this plane here that you've seen. There are so many planes, including Liuwa plane. When you look at this, it's like it's all bush. But if you travel just some few kilometers from here, you'll find another plane. You go to this area again, you find a big plane. When you talk to a lost person and you want to preserve planes, it's like we feel more comfortable if you would protect all the planes. Because this is where even when the flood is flooded there, when we move out with the cattle, they have to go where there are planes. Because most of the three quarters of the time, the cattle eat grass in the plain. So when the plain is flooded, they go to the bush. The bush, they start eating leaves. And you find that mostly when they come back there, they're not healthy. They become more healthy when after they have stayed for a time in the plain.
Every morning when the sun rises on the Barossa floodplain, Chilemu says it's an opportunity to do better by the floodplain she has called home all her life. But as she weaves mattresses, she has ventured into other survival tactics to feed her children. I call myself that I do 99 jobs because you can find me selling groundnuts, one kwacha groundnut for me to eat. I even go to collect this graph so that I sell here. No buyers for this. It's only one person who buys once in a year. I think I've sold for two years now. 2022, I sold for 300 kwacha. 2021, I sold for 300 kwacha. I didn't do it alone. First year, I partnered with another, a first boy. And then this, last year also, I partnered with a boy. Especially that we go in the plains, we paddle, and we get this. You only get it in the water when it's too deep. That's when it can maintain its color. We get it when it's green. Like Aunt Flo was saying, even if you have these, people will look at them as olden things. How many people would come and buy this? So it discourages the people who want to make money on this. Why do you keep doing it? There is that passion, but uh, because we can't live just with a passion, we need money for us to live. Sometimes it makes us stop doing, doing this and do other things which can give us money so that we live. For Auntie Flo, she is training young girls through requests by different groups and some schools, but as she ages gracefully like some fine wine, she's worried of the club sustainability. How do I leave these committed women, women who have agreed to add on to their product to make them unique? How do I leave them in, in a good market, like where men or people with money sell their products? Because we have, most of us women have been selling and carrying our product on our head, going round and round, or selling to those who have money. It's really difficult to find someone who can buy, can give you a better uh, price. was it for today. In case you're out there and you would wish to partner with these lousy women, perhaps add some value on how best they can expand their market, please reach out to me via email info at africaclimateconversations.com or drop me a message on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. We are on social media as Africa Climate Conversations and on LinkedIn, please find me on my personal handle, Sophie Mbugwa. Next, we will delve a little further with Auntie Flo on the cultural changes and the impacts on conservation among the Barossa people, as well as impacting this knowledge that Auntie Flo has and the challenges she's facing with the current generation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please do remember to share this episode so we can reach more. Until next time, Asante Sana Kwaheri. My name is Sophie Mbogwa. Africa Climate Conversations. The podcast.